Some of us are wearing the same shirt today, we realized. I wore mine strategically, if you think, gosh, is the pastor allowed to speak in a t-shirt at Twin Cities Church? Of course, absolutely. And even some applause, I like that. I make that happen more often. But you know, I, I, uh, I looked through my vast wardrobe, and uh, it really fits this morning. And so some of you really were close to the Lord this week, and especially this morning, and God really led you. So if you're wearing that shirt, good for you. Anyway. Well, welcome this morning. We are continuing in our uh, encouragement for today's family series, and today looking at strengthening the family foundation. We're going to be spending our time looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, the first 10 verses. So if you have your Bible, you can, you can open to that right now. We're going to be pretty much camped out there and, and unpacking that. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, these are verses that are full of some great words of wisdom and direction. They could really even be called foundational verses, thus the strengthening the family foundation, because they deal with some of the very core issues of life lived in Christ Jesus. Now, because we're in the middle of this family series, we're going to be looking at these verses with specific applications for the family, okay? But really how these principles and ideas come to life in the unique environment that is the family. But even if you live by yourself with no close relatives or even close friends nearby, I mean, maybe you're new to the area or whatever, these verses apply to you too. God wants to speak to each one of us today, regardless of your family situation. So um, no tuning out as I talk today, all right? You may say, I'm not sure about my family. This is really an individual that applies to you. And then, yes, applies to your relationships. And, of course, we'll be applying especially to the family as well. So there you go. uh, These verses involve really who you are and then how you express the life of Jesus in you while in relationship with others. So that's your family, but it goes into the neighborhood, the workplace, and on from there, all areas of your life. Now, I was looking forward this morning to be able to share a bunch of positive Fairchild family experiences and stories with you today so that you could see how well we have this dialed in. But I had to be honest by sharing at least as many uh, weaknesses as I am strengths this morning. That's just an honest truth there because the truth is we are far, my family is far from perfect in this area, and I hope the stories that I shared this morning will really help you out as much as the success stories. You know, we can learn from both ends of it, so there's true confessions, and when you laugh at me later, I'll remind you that I warned you these were coming. Well, uh, let's look at some ways that you can strengthen yourself, but certainly your family, according to Ephesians chapter 5. So here we go, and if you want to follow along in your outline, you can do that and take some notes and such. We begin now in that area. First of all, you can strengthen your family by imitating Jesus always. By imitating Jesus always. Now, in our world, we tend to imitate people that we respect and that we admire. You know, the classic example is the kids trying to imitate their parents, right? So it's that picture of that little girl who's putting on mom's high heels and clonking around the house. You know, they barely stay on her feet, and she's smearing some lipstick somewhere near her lips, (laughs) you know, wearing one of mom's big dresses, you know. She sees mommy doing that, and mama looks so beautiful and glamorous, and she she wants to be like mom. It's, it's the little boy spiking his hair just like his dad or, or rooting for the same sporting team because it's his dad's favorite team. And if it's his dad's favorite team, it's his favorite team too. I'm not sure what the sport is. It doesn't matter. It's dad's team. It's my team because I, I want to be like dad. So uh, who can you admire and respect more than Jesus, really? Now, the goal here isn't to try to look like Jesus, the whole first century Hebrew vibe might not be a good look for you, quite honestly. (laughs) 
But if I could be more like Jesus as an individual, and if my family could be more like Jesus, that sounds like a pretty strong foundation. What do you think? Well, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5. Begin right there in verse 1. It says this. Ron began this in the, in the welcome today. It says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now let's look at that verse for a second. I love this because we talked about kids imitating their parents and the desire to do that. What's that first sentence say? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved, as beloved children. It's, it's, it, we're almost seeing a reference to that right there saying, hey kids, be like dad, be like dad. Imitate, imitate God. And hey, we've landed on really one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth in the form of man. Now certainly he came and lived a perfect life here on earth to die for our sins, that was a huge deal. But, but also he did it to model the life that we can live when we walk entirely in the Spirit so that we have someone that we can model after here when we're here on earth in the flesh. Imitate Jesus then all the time in as many ways as possible, not just when it's convenient, when you want to. Really the call is to say imitate Jesus all the time, always. Now, what do these verses tell us about imitating Jesus specifically? Because some of us, you know, the fad a bunch of years ago, and, and then actually it's not a bad thing, is those WWJD bracelets, you know, what would Jesus do? And kind of a reminder of in tough situations, okay, wait, what would Jesus do here? And boy, it's, it gets complicated sometimes, right? Well, these verses have some specific comments to make, so let's look at those. What do these, uh, we do this, we imitate Jesus by, first of all, walking in Jesus and his love walking in Jesus and his love. That's our imitation. Now, the idea here is one of walking so close to Jesus and his love that our walk starts looking exactly like his walk. You know what I mean? We fall into pace with him and our cadence matches his cadence and our footsteps matches footsteps and we start our walk starts looking like his walk. Now, this is that grace idea, again, that we talk about more and more here at Twin Cities Church. Not, not trying harder to be like Jesus because really that's doomed to failure because you can't be like Jesus on your own efforts. We see and we know that Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit and and so should we. It's simple really. Immerse yourself in his love and you will be loving. Immerse yourself in his love and you'll be loving. Now I want to illustrate this for you this morning in a graphic way. Let's say you wanted to smell like a skunk. Now Okay, I said it was a graphic illustration, not necessarily a realistic one, all right? But run with me here. You want to smell like a skunk. Now, no matter how hard you tried on your own to smell like a skunk, you'd be doomed to failure. You know what I mean? On your own, you, have a, you can create some smells, but you probably wouldn't smell like a skunk on your own, right? But what could you do? You could go spend some up-close-and-personal time with a skunk, right? You could go do that. Get up close to a skunk. Immerse yourself in skunk land and the skunk world, and you will soon smell exactly like a skunk. Just ask my dog. (laughs) My black lab, Bailey, she knows all about this. The closer you get to a skunk, the more likely you're going to smell like a skunk. She's done it multiple times, and it doesn't seem to bother her. (laughs) But she has learned this principle here truly. Now, the same is true with spending intimate time with Jesus. Close walking with him over time gives you the Jesus look and, and the smell in a sense, and it's way better than a skunk smell. But do you get the difference there? I'm going to try on my own or I'm just going to get so, I'm going to get cozy up so close to Jesus that I'm going to start looking and acting and sounding and smelling like Jesus. And that's a really good thing. That's really a good thing. Well, the second specific way to imitate Jesus according to this passage is, is sacrificing. 
oh, I know it's kind of hard writing that word down. You mean me sacrifice? Is that someone else sacrificing? Sacrificing, putting others' needs before your own. Now, Jesus gave himself up as a sacrifice for us. Certainly we see that on the cross. I mean, what, what about the ultimate sacrifice, right? It adi- right to die for us that way? His, but his entire life leading up to the cross consisted of doing what was best for us, not for him. And the whole thing was a sacrifice from birth on. You know, he never, he never put his own needs first. Pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's just downright, it, it, it's radical, and, but it's exactly what he asks us to do for others. And you know what? Starting in your family is a great place to do that, but perhaps it's the hardest place to do that, isn't it? Because they'll put up with you whether you do it or not. You know what I mean? But do it in my family, Pastor John. If I put my spouse's needs before my own constantly, I may never get my own needs met, right? Sound familiar? <laughs> This is probably a statement us guys make more than you women. You gals, especially you moms, you often do the sacrificing thing way more easily than us guys. And I'm just speaking from my own observations, even within my own family here. And guys, we can learn from our wives and women friends here. Just keeping it real here this morning to just say it's, I'm generalizing, but I've seen this many times. Now, men, it's offering to watch a chick flick with her sometimes. Instead of assuming she wants to watch the latest superhero movie with you or the latest zombie show, as much as that doesn't make sense to you, you know? And then when you do watch it, instead of just offering to watch it, (laughs) when you actually do watch it, um, let me give you a tip. Actually watch it. Actually watch it with her, guys. No no texting and surfing on your iPhone, you know? Not, uh, Not zoning out or taking a power nap with your eyes open. If you've got that one mastered, you know? Watch it with her and even dialogue with her during and afterwards, you know? And... Some of you are like, what are you saying, Pastor John? Don't give my wife any ideas. She's sitting next to me. I'm saying in kind of a fun way, put her needs before your own. Put her needs before your own. You will be building a great foundation for your family. And, and if there's a chance that she works on putting her needs bef- your needs before her own, see how that starts working? That's beautiful. This is what God calls us to do as we imitate Jesus. Now, the third specific way to imitate Jesus according to this passage is by extending grace to others. Extending grace to others. Now, Jesus modeled the concept of extending grace and forgiveness again and again, all the way to the cross and the resurrection, and we're asked to do the same. It's, gals, it's forgiving him when he forgets something. Wives, you know, we sometimes just go blanket seemingly key times. (laughs) It's true, even if it's something important, something that you would never forget. How could you forget that? You know, it happens. We forget. God made us different. (laughs) Uh, Unless we need to recall something very important like the entire starting lineup, complete with nicknames and batting averages for the 1973 world champion Oakland Athletics. God made us different. Listen, extending grace like Jesus will build a great foundation for your, your family. Extending grace. Now, just the other night, about a week and a half, I guess, a, a week and a half ago, I, um, I ended up eating dinner later than the rest of my family. I had something going on, and, you know, anyway, 
come home. Everybody's still up, but dad's eating dinner, and uh, they're kind of gathered around, so I just kind of get my plate of food together, and as I settle down, I'm settling down with one of my favorite vegetables, a gigantic artichoke, you know, almost as big as my head, and this is like, great, I'm eating late, but this is like sweet. I really like artichokes, okay? Make a fun little dip for it, you know? Well, I settle down, and wouldn't you know it, my little eight-year-old Hannah comes scurrying over to sit right next to daddy and cuddle up, and I'm like, how sweet, and she comes over right to my side and begins helping herself to my artichoke. Now, I'm not talking about one or two leaves here. I thought that's where it would start. I'm talking about big chunks of the thing. She's breaking off, and she's chowing through it. Now, fortunately, it was a pretty hefty artichoke, you know? But before I knew it, the thing was like a third gone, and I'd barely gotten to it myself. And Hannah is showing no signs of stopping. I mean, she is going at this thing. She is happy as a clam. Now, let me remind you, I have four sons and only the one daughter. So I was way more gracious with her than I would have been with any of my sons. Any one of them would have gotten my fork jabbed in their hand on the second reach towards my choke. What are you doing? I'm not saying that's right. I'm just being honest here, right? So I see my one and only precious daughter, Hannah, rapidly consuming my favorite vegetable I was looking forward to, and I refrained from using my fork as a weapon. But I did use my tongue to ask what in the world she was doing, and for a moment I was right on the edge of causing as much damage with my words as I could have with my fork. So here I was face to face with this opportunity to both sacrifice as well as extend grace, and it was a struggle to rein myself in. I I had to do battle to not allow John to imitate John, you know, as in me imitate myself in the flesh, uh, the ugliest of myself, and so that I didn't cause some significant damage, all because of an artichoke. But how dare she touch my artichoke, and especially without even asking me. Because she didn't ask. It didn't hit me then, but it did this week as I prepared for this talk. How dare I, how dare I be so selfish myself to worry about sharing with my Hannah because I might get less. And the next ugly little secret I have to share with you is that all along, I knew there was another cooked artichoke in the kitchen the whole time. Ugly, but I'm just telling you, it's real life here, laying it all out. It didn't even occur to me that the fact that my Hannah didn't ask me was only partially due to her bad manners. That's what I focused on. What should have been more important to me was that Hannah, Hannah knows her daddy loves her so much that he wouldn't mind at all if she shared his meal, if he shared his meal with her because she loves and trusts me and she knows how much I love her. You know, as I and my wife try to and learn to imitate Jesus by extending grace, our own kids see it, and they can start imitating us, and that means they start imitating Jesus too, leading to some pretty firm, strong foundations, isn't it? Well, the second way that you can strengthen your family is by developing a thankful heart, by developing a thankful heart. And again, we'll be looking at Ephesians 5. Thankfulness is almost a, it's almost a lost art in our culture today, but it's, it's about way more than just having good manners. You know, you teach your kids to say thank you because it's good manners, thank you. You know, it's way more than that. True thankfulness is a perspective of the heart that recognizes everything good in life. Everything good in life is an undeserved gift from God. Everything. I, I can focus on what I don't have and then I can end up complaining and miserable and bitter, or I can realize that God has gifted me with so much None of it that I truly earned or deserve, right? 
and then my heart turns from bitterness and greed and all this ugliness and jealousy. It turns into a happy heart. And I love that junior asparagus lesson in Veggie Tales. A thankful heart is a happy heart. Be glad for what I have. That's the easy way to start. Junior asparagus, you know, theology from a little vegetable. It's a vegetable morning, sorry guys. My heart can turn from this bitterness and greed and jealousy into a happy heart. Now, let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. It says this, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. No hint of it, it's saying. As is proper among saints, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Here we go. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and in God. Now, now did you see that? Tucked there in the midst of all this junk we deal with in life, you know, is this encouragement to be thankful, you know? And this passage points out the fact that to have a thankful and happy heart, this involves a replacement plan. It involves a replacement plan. That's another little spot on your outline. Now, what do I mean by a replacement plan here? Thankful heart replacement plan. We see here in Ephesians 5 that all around us, and maybe sometimes in us, there is immorality, impurity, greed, filthiness, foolish talk, dirty jokes, idolatry, all this junk. And you may suddenly say, hey, I see, I see all these things as sin. I understand that, but what do they have to do with having a thankful heart? You know, this is all a whole bunch of junk, and, but, and then thankful heart, but these are like different stuff here. Is the connection tough to see? Here's the deal. All those sins have to do with you focusing on yourself and what you don't have and what you want, either in the way of material things or physical pleasures or or maybe just trying to develop a reputation so you make somebody else laugh or impress other people. And that's our desire that does that, that's about us and what we want that we don't have. And you have to replace that egocentricity, that lie that says you will be happy immersed in that junk and replace that with a thankful heart that says, I'm grateful for what I have. Now, just yesterday, I was getting all uptight with my kids over their lack of thankfulness. (laughs) I saw them complaining. It was Saturday. I saw them complaining over their chores and not being thankful for all that God has blessed us with. and, And I was getting really grouchy. I was getting upset. I was sure it was righteous anger, just like Jesus getting angry in the temple, you know, over the greed and the sin of the money changers there. So me and Jesus, ah, we were both getting, you know, righteously indignant here. I'm, I'm imitating Jesus. You were both upset at sin. <laughs> and I was starting to lay around me, you know, with my verbal whip. You know, the verbal whip's coming out, letting people know this was unacceptable. Only this time God got to me more quickly than with the artichoke incident. We had this little conversation. God said to me, John, let's set aside the kids' ingratitude issue for a moment. And I'm like, what? They're just flat out wrong, and I'm not going to let my kids dwell in sin like that. I'm speaking on this issue tomorrow at church, and I'm not going to tolerate it in my own house. I'm trying to develop a strong foundation for my family here, right? God's response, John, I appreciate your passion. I really do. But let's lay aside the kids' ingratitude here just for a moment and take a look at your own ingratitude. My ingratitude? <laughs> Excuse me? What? Yeah, John, your ingratitude. Um, how grateful are you that you have five beautiful, healthy kids that every one of them loves the Lord? 
have you thanked me today for the laughter they bring to your life and your world? The joy, the, the fullness, the, the pride they bring to your heart when you see them becoming the children that I've created them to be? Okay, God, you win. <laughs> I really haven't been grateful today, and I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you for the gifts of my wife and my children. God says, and now that you are focusing on your gratitude, well, now that I'm living this moment, this moment with a thankful heart, I suddenly find myself with a, a happy heart, God. I get it. I get it. And, and I suddenly find myself still trying to help my children with their ingratitude. It wasn't that what they were doing was okay, but, but now I was doing it with a whole different attitude myself. And, and Daddy the ogre was slowly fading away into still Daddy the teacher and guide, but Daddy of the more happy heart. Which do you think my kids prefer? Ask them. Now, the other thing about this grateful heart, the second subpoint, is that it always plays out in your words. It plays out in your words. Now, Ephesians 5 talks about, in the middle of this passage, the expression of ver ver verbal thanksgiving. It starts with a heart, but it leads to expression. And it's right there. Um, and, and, and this is important to understand. You can express thankful words occasionally without a thankful heart. You know, thank you, hey, thanks, you know, without the thankful heart. But it is impossible to have a truly thankful heart and not express it in words. You catch that? If you have a truly thankful heart right to the core, it's going to come out in your words. So you can really judge your heart by looking at your words. Don't judge someone else's heart by looking at their words. That's something different. But you can judge your own heart and get a good indication by looking at your words. Now Luke 6.45, go ahead and jot it down if you want to. It's not in your outline, but if you want to just have that reference, I'm going to read it. Luke 6.45 says this. A good man, a good person, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke 6.45, if you didn't jot it the first time because you're like, ooh, that was good. Yeah, Luke 6, it's there, Luke 6.45. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Here's a simple way to check your heart. Are your words consistently thankful? And if not, you know, if you stray towards negativity and maybe complaining and grumbling, then there's a good chance that as much as you may value thankfulness, I believe in thankfulness, I think it's great, we all need to have it, as much as you say you value it, you might not have a truly thankful heart. Maybe this is God's little gentle or not so gentle nudge this morning to you. Well, the third way then from the Ephesians passage that you can strengthen your family is choosing to live differently from the world. Choosing to live differently from the world. Now, this one's easy to talk about, but not always easy to do. In fact, it's almost always hard to do by definition, if you think about it. You see, we live in a world that just squeezes us into its own way, its own, own mold in a sense, and, and often without us even being aware of it, because it's the world that we're in, you know? And now, as followers of Jesus, we get used to living a little differently from the world, but we sometimes live in that middle ground, you know, of being slightly uncomfortable, kind of walk the tightrope, well, it's a little uncomfortable, but still, you know, we need to be able to live alongside of much of the world. So you kind of do that little sometimes a foot in, a foot out balancing act. But we have to remember this, that the default pattern of this world is not remotely tuned to the heart and desires of Jesus. The default pattern, meaning just the way that it is that operates in the world, is nowhere near, it's not remotely tuned 
to the heart and the desires of Jesus. Now, James 4.4, one more verse if you want to jot it. James 4.4 says it so well. And he, he doesn't pull any punches here. You adulterous people, <laughs> do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Pretty black and white, huh? You know what I mean? Well, gosh, John, isn't it, aren't things way more gray than that? Sometimes, I guess. I'm just reading James, you know. Friendship with the world and making an enemy of God here. And maybe things aren't so gray as we sometimes feel. Well, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10, just, or excuse me, verse 6, picking up where we left off. He goes on to say, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern, try to discover what is pleasing to the Lord. One translation says, find out what pleases the Lord. And I've got news for you. Finding out what pleases the Lord by experimenting with light and goodness and love and serving selflessly and with humility and, and all that, you're not always going to fit into the world. Does that surprise you? Now, here's some ways I interpret this verse, especially in the light of my family. We choose not to watch all the movies and television shows that my friends watch and seem to enjoy so much. Um, I and my family aren't going to judge other people. We're careful about that. We teach our kids, you know. Other people can make their own decisions and draw their own standards, you know. It's not about that. But, but for us, we're going to walk with Jesus as children of the light as best we can, and we're going to limit our media consumption as we try to find out what pleases the Lord for us. And, and I know that we may live differently from the world. Find out what pleases the Lord, not what the Lord will tolerate. Catch the difference? I probably could watch this, and I'm, Jesus, he might be okay with it. He might not, but I know he'll forgive me. And, you know, I wonder how, and then there's this, but, you know, a lot of my friends, and they go to church, too, and they're following, no, 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 Find out what he'll tolerate. Find out, find out what God will forgive. Find out what pleases the Lord. Discover, discern, experiment with what will please the Lord. Another example, and I just throw in a couple out. We, as a family, have chosen to have family building time as often as possible. Choosing to do things together as a family many times, even if we don't all agree on the details of what we're doing. Because to us, we want to try to live in unity and love as much as possible. And if an individual, if an individual sacrifices his or her own wants for the good of the family, well, that's a win to us as we try to live and walk with Jesus. Now, it doesn't always feel like a win at that moment to the one who's making the sacrifice, you know, to the individual. But as we've made decisions to say, we want to try and do this together. You know, as our kids get a little bit older, my oldest is 13, my youngest is 5. Those are some different interests, aren't they? How do you do things together? I don't even bother. It's important to us, and we've made that choice. It's a win to us. And, and that's why my 13-year-old, my 7th grade son, Joshua, sometimes still comes to the... Um, the Veggie Tales movie nights here at church on Friday nights that the children's ministry puts on. He can come to be with the family even if he'd rather be watching something like, you know, The Hobbit or some cool movie at home, right? You know, but he can choose to do that. And, and 
because the family's doing that. I can imagine his friends, seventh, eighth grade friends, you did what on Friday night? You went where on Friday night? <laughs> Are you kidding me? We're, we're trying to do things as a family as much as we can because we believe that we're learning in our unity and our love that something good's happening, that we're building a, a strong foundation here. Now, we don't always do things like that, but many times we do, and we recognize, you know what? We live differently from the world. <laughs> and, and that means sometimes that I or my wife or certainly my kids sometimes even might get made fun of a little bit or laughed at because the choices made might not be cool. And we've just made that decision because we want to find out what pleases the Lord, not what pleases our neighbors or our friends, people around us. It's a discovery process. Sometimes we go too far. God says, okay, nice try, John, bring it back. Sometimes we don't go far enough. God says, okay, good direction. Let's keep moving it. It's a process, isn't it? It's a process. We live differently from the world. So are you interested in strengthening your family foundation? It starts by strengthening your personal foundation that affects all your relationships and in your family. This is huge. So what did we see in Ephesians 5 this morning? If you're interested in strengthening your own individual walk with the Lord, the strength of your own witness for Jesus, the strength of your family, you look to imitate Jesus always by walking in love, sacrificing, and extending grace to others, artichokes or not. You can learn to develop a thankful heart, and we can choose to live differently from the world. And that's our call, and that's our privilege, our opportunity. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you that you've spoken to us today. I know that you've spoken to me in the last couple of weeks in some painful <laughs> sorts of ways, but it's been good. And even this morning, Father, in my, my time with you and us together, Lord, I know that your Spirit's been here and you're revealing things to us. And God, I pray that we would be like the wise person and not the foolish and that we wouldn't just hear this, but we would become doers, doers that would immerse ourselves in you. Um, in, in you and, and be so close to Jesus that we start looking and acting and sounding and yes, even smelling like Jesus. Father, we submit to you today and we ask that you have your way with us so that our families would be strengthened. Us individually, our families would be strengthened, Lord, and then as a result, our church and our community will be strengthened, Father, as you transform us into the image of Jesus. And Lord, I pray even today that if there's somebody out here right now in this church service that that doesn't know Jesus and they've heard about an opportunity to imitate Jesus. I would just speak to you right now if that's you today to say you do that not by trying harder but by letting him take your life. And you can do that right now by asking for his forgiveness for your sin, the things that have separated you from God. And you can ask for his leadership in your life so that he can make you be like him as an individual and then in your family. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.